time yeah. trying muscles and he just you know yeah. he wasn't sure texture throws you off could have been worse it could have been um, oysters yeah true, true oysters are slippery little buggers they are indeed <laughs> so anyway the night ended with me going back to his place and um, filleting him yeah oh hi everybody uh, you are listening to Tales Big... of Chris's Sordid Past <laughs> Past Future oh. you're listening to Big Damn Sordid Past with me Christopher you unlock this door with the key to it. F- you screwed it up, Johnson. And me, Matthew, I've got a brand new combine harvester and I'll give you the key, Watson. One of those was a euphemism. Mm. One of them was someone getting their line wrong. <coughs> who was that band again? Who did? The Wurzels? The Wurzels. Right, so, question. You've been in a band? Yeah. Um. You've obviously considered, like style and song choices and lyrics and stuff and, and how it can affect sort of the longevity of a potential project yeah, or, yeah. or a potential uh, uh, like you know a band getting together and stuff um if you would suddenly decide that you were a west country music huh? you could sing about trackers yeah would you realistically think you had more than one novelty song <laughs> <in you>? no because <laughs> i've never understood that because you know out now is a film in the uk about Poor Isaac's fisherman's friends. Oh yeah, which yeah. you know, like Lucy loves poor Isaac Fisherman. She thinks <coughs> they're brilliant. I think they're very talented. But I listen to two songs in a row, and I go, "This is the same song now." There's only so much you can really do with that sound. It's like how much, like if you have a band that's built around a novelty, a gimmick, yeah, how the cartoons. Far can you go with it. The cartoons, cartoons is another example. Aqua less so, they were more bubblegum pop, but their entire thing was quirky video, quirky premise. Yeah. Ha ha ha. They ditched eventually, I think. Cheeky Girls, again, same sort of thing. Like, How, uh, how long mean, can you go on with these things? The, the Cheeky Girls aren't a music act as much as a novelty single. Hey. They cheeky, are a novelty cheeky. single. Just, ugh. You, you, you're definitely not a cheeky boy, then, are you? I'm not a cheeky boy. See, no if, one's if you'd have touched my that, it, Well, but this is life. No, it isn't. Don't be shy. It's just fantasy. <laughs> Caught in a landslide. No escape from the news. The, the news. Ladies and gentlemen. News and nudes. One of those Stat- is guaranteed mm. over the next hour mm. or so of mm. podtastic entertainment. Yes. As usual, we're here with pop culture bullshit. Uh, as you'll notice from the title and thingy uh, of uh, title and thingy, title and thumbnails of this podcast, Twilight Zone is a subject. Will we review it? No, because nope. the UK don't have it yet. But nope. we have some Twilight Zone stuff to discuss. So stick around. We're also going to be talking a little bit about developments with the Child's Play movie. Yeah. Uh, what else are we touching on this week? We've got some... Cheeky Girls, apparently. Cheeky Girls. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, got got the, we've got the Cheeky Girls. We've got some more rumblings about future Marvel projects. Yeah. And oh! Of yeah. course, the big news this week in the entertainment vessel. Vassal? The entertainment industry. Um, <laughs> the entertainment vessel. So, there's been some leaks from Star Wars Episode 9. Well, specifically, a plumber in, haha. What looks like a early poster. It doesn't have a title on it. But, 
Um, yeah, that was the thing about it. It was a leaked poster, but a leaked poster with no confirmation with no of the title, title of the movie. But new characters on it. Yes. Which are... Doing a fishy looking fella. Yes. Which I believe is a placeholder for the final design. Um, oh, really? Oh, wow. Yes. This is a this is a leaky leak. Uh, and the reason this has been seen as uh, a legitimate leak, and not, fa- uh, not fictional, yes. is the fact that on several news sites, Disney have requested takedowns of the material. And also... But it's the internet, folks. So it's out there. There are character portraits knocking about. Yeah, now these I've seen. Also. Yeah. Um, you've seen the poster, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we've Very got... reminiscent of the previous two, continuing on with the sort of the, the, the pyramid of characters yes. sort of thing going on. Ray at the front, Ray at the, at the top. Um, uh, Kylo at the bottom. Kylo at the bottom. Helmet back on. Helmet on. Yeah. Some red stormtroopers with the split visors. Yep. Some regular stormtroopers and TIE interceptor looking TIE fighters and some the Knights of Ren, Millennium Falcon, we got Finn, we got Poe, we got C-3PO with a bowcaster and a bandolier on. So that's a thing. I the Heckington. Is Chewie wearing his solo bandolier now? Yeah. So like the 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 the, the stripped down belt thing instead of his usual just like across the chest gubbins. No, I think that looks like his bandolier. Like mm, his, his, yeah. his classic bandolier. His classoyek bandolier. Yeah. So Paul Favoroy, yes. We've got a fish dude. We've got the orange tie fighter. Um, and what looks like a new Y wing. So yeah, but, but Y wing stuff. And then we've got some individual character portraits. Um, you've got uh, Ray in her new white outfit with what looks like a reconstructed version of the old lightsaber. Um, yes, yeah. I, like, again, it's like wait, it's the bluey, but she's the bluey's bluey gone kablooey. Uh, Finn and Poe, Poe looking very Nathan Drake. Yeah, I know. He's very. That. Uh, he's, he's, he just sort of is cosplaying as um as Drake's fortune. Yeah, like, sort of Big era Drake. It's like mm, uh, maybe we should do that. Uh. Old old man Lando with a cane. Old Melando, because Bill, Billy so Williams sorry. is an old man. He is, guys, and... but he's also he's also sporting the color scheme mm-hmm. of the solo Lando. Yes, like the yellow shirt, black collar, which is interesting. And I believe that it... that is definitely a a visual thing to be like. Oh yeah, this is people who may not have seen. Young people who may not have seen the original trilogy, <laughs> which is but have that seen old Solo. movie called Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, well, that's what they do on YouTube now. They got those little where shots. Did get, where did you get this kid? Those little animated shots on YouTube that sort of restage the um, <laughs> key events in the, the key trilogy key moments in the in the older movies. Um, uh, Zori, true. who is a helmeted, apparently female figure, who is rumored to be the Carrie Russell character. Okay, because um, Carrie Russell definitely isn't on this poster in terms of a face, so. Um, and then <laughs> Jana, who I don't know who's playing Jana, but she's a person with a bow. And has fabulous hair. Fabulous hair. Um, yeah, and we've got like some creatures and reference photos for different designs of, of people. Uh, Richard E. Grant is a First Order officer. Oh, um, I'm kind of upset by that in a weird way. Yeah, a new, uh, like a unicycle droid. It's going to be BB-8's uh, sidekick. Wait, BB-8 um, has a sidekick? Looks like it. You're on the is, poster is BB-8 the dude that Cat Dennings dragged... BB-8 now has a dude that Cat Dennings dragged around in Thor 2. Yeah. Where the sidekick had a sidekick and it was like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. Why is this a thing? Look, look, look they're there. They're, they're together on the poster. That's so strange. Um, yeah, it's... 
Finn dressed exactly the same, pretty much. Yeah. Still wearing Poe's jacket. Um, Difficult to tell. I don't think so. If he ain't wearing Poe's jacket... I think it's sleeveless. Right, that's it. I'm boycotting the film. <laughs> boycotting the film. If this film doesn't end with those two just making out, I'll be very sad. Remake. Yeah, he's got some kind of sleeveless jacket on. No Rose Tico. No Rose. Amongst any of this stuff. Kelly Marie Tran is definitely in the movie. So is the character story be. being downplayed or... Or is she, uh, or is she written out as a consequence of her actions at the end of Last Jedi toward the beginning, perhaps? Ah, uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, it's difficult to say too much going off this because I think a lot of the, I think it's similar to the Sonic the Hedgehog leak we had a couple a few weeks back, where it this is like probably in-house pre-release stuff, and everyone's it's not got final. muscular blue legs. Yes. No, it's it's not finally it's style guide stuff for merchandising, so who it's knows? It's whoever they're marketing the film off of basically. So characters that are appearing are the ones they're hoping to sell the toys of. Yeah. And again, we have no beef nor indeed uh bad thoughts toward Kelly Marie Tran or indeed Rose Tico. But they don't need to sell any more Rose Tico toys. They're, no, because even Man Sky was bought them already fitting them. Oh, oh god, yeah, there's that. <laughs> But he's made this character more popular by hating her. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that, what a prick. That does happen. Hey, you know you guys who really, really wanted Captain Marvel to flop? Yeah, it definitely did that. Oh, wait, no, it didn't. Oh, yeah. Second highest grossing Marvel film, I believe. I think, I think it's I think it's just Pip Black Panther. I can believe that. Uh, so there you go. Up, yeah. Fuck us! Um. Fuck you! Yes. No. no. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, what are we thinking? I'm thinking of the the various looks and, and looks snippets cool. that we seem to have. Star Wars ass looking Star Wars. Star going Wars ass looking Star so, Wars. So you know, it's definitely... similar color scheme to Last Jedi. Lots of whites and and sort of silvery and rose, rose gold silvery textures yeah. instead of the reds. I don't know. You got the red stormtroopers though. Yeah, that's true. That is odd. So. Normally they try and make them visually. Well, I say normally. The prequel trilogy didn't. Every poster looked the same, but they, they tried to make them look visually distinct. <laughs> no, I the think the, the Red Stormtroopers probably could be some kind of extension of the Imperial Guard, Praetorian Guard, whatever you want to call them. Those, the various incarnations of that. And I find it idea. really interesting that there's no Adam Driver face on the poster, like Kylo is helmeted yeah. again. Helm- when Adam Driver is clearly one of your big selling points now for newer fans who love the newer characters. I think Kylo is more of a selling point. And like for the say, kids, oh, I for think, kids especially. Well, that's what I mean. I yeah. think this is for merchandising. Oh, okay. So, oh, so if this is like more style guide for merchandising, well. promotional images, then you go with that, which you know, which is why you've got more new characters on here. No Rose, no Princess Leia, General Leia. Yeah, that um, is uh, that is an odd one. Like, is Lando on the poster? Image? I don't believe so. Yeah, okay. Because uh, the rumor is his his stuff is quite minimal. I'd imagine so, because like I say, Billy Dee Williams is fucking old. I can also, Love him, I can also understand why there's no Luke on any of the images as well. Because mm. we know Hamill's in it. It'll be some kind of Force Ghost or flashback, so... Well, he does get around as old Marcius Hamulius. Apparently so. Um, Voice actor extraordinaire. Yeah, known Mark for Hamill. having a wonderfully maniacal laugh. <laughs> um, and famous for many things, but amongst them for voicing Chucky... In a 2005 robot chicken sketch, where he gets killed by the Cabbage Patch Kids as they rise from a Cabbage Patch <laughs> like zombies, 
And then they attack town, and then Buffy the Vampire Slayer takes them out, and it cuts to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. As Sarah Michelle Gellar talking to a friend in a cafe, she says, and that's how they were going to open season eight. And she goes, oh God, no wonder you quit. And that's the end of the sketch. <laughs> but that sketch starts with Mark Hamill voicing Chucky. Uh, I was like, oh, that's a fun bit of casting. That was, that was kind of cute. Yeah. He, he does a few voices in this ep, and one of them is as Chucky. It's a fun Brad Dourif impression. Yeah. Yeah, he better not be doing a Brad Dourif impression anymore, motherfuckers, because he's got to put his own stamp on Chucky. Charles Play had a, a panel at WonderCon this past week. Yes. And at WonderCon, they showed a video, a little message from uh, one of their cast members revealing themselves to be the voice of Chucky in the new Charles Play movie. Is it, this, is it this video here? It is indeed that video there. Let's play it. Let's have a little listen. I've not seen it. Hello, WonderCon. It's here. And if you're wondering who's going to voice Chuck Charles Play, oh. you're looking at him. I can't wait to bring such an iconic life and present oh, him in a way skipping. you've never seen him before. Child's Play. Oh my God, it's skipping through. We're have... And remember, oh God. he's more than just a toy. Oh my God, it skipped through the whole thing multiple times. Well, that's Mark Hamill sort uh, of announcing that he is That's Chucky. even creepier. Yeah, in a weird the way. The fact that it's skipping is even creepy. It's like a, it's like a glit, 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 glitching video. Yeah, that would be really... <laughs> April Fool's, motherfuckers. Um, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> if this was an actual emergency, instructions would have followed. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Every time they use that in a film... Yeah. And it's an actual emergency and you just get the test message. Yeah. That's weird. I've recorded, um, I've recorded, uh, sort of emergency protocol links in the past for Children's BBC. Uh. Yeah. You hand over to Newsround because Newsround would be the ones who would contextualise it for child audiences if it indeed wasn't a immediate emergency, but like a a preparation thing. Uh, you record a series of them with different tones uh, you wear muted colours. You pick a certain area of the set to film on that isn't too garish or bright too or, or zany. Um, and it's just like a 20 second link where you essentially say, we're sorry for that programme having to be cut short, but we've had some news um, that is what you know, is is uh, needs to be brought to your immediate attention. Oh. For more information, here are the news round team with a special report. And you have to sort of say it not in a you know, in a in a stern, like, listen up, this is serious kind of way. Neutral. Yeah, you, said, neutral well, you record several, all slightly different wording, and they go from you saying it quite pleasantly, like, sorry about having to interrupt the programme, but we're coming at this on the other, well, here's news round for a special message. Yeah. To, like, the sort of slightly preparing for bad news kind of version. It's like, we now cut to news round with a special report. Well, you're not sad, but you're also you're very serious. the kids get that oh oh there's something going down, and I've done that about six times for CBBC in the four plus years I was doing continuity. Have they ever been used? Oh, they're not never yours, used. obviously. They're never used, but they have to film them like once every two years ish, and even then they'd update them if the sets had changed, because um, obviously you know branding. Uh, and, and, and format sometimes the formatting of program stuff and digital stuff changes so they have to make updated yeah. ones just in case and also Phil told me this once Phil Fletcher's a puppeteer um, plays the role of Hacker the Dog sorry young listeners he's a puppet um, he's a puppet he's a puppet yeah um, once told me that one of the earliest Hacker puppets yeah was sent to a studio space somewhere in London 
where they do emergency broadcast stuff from there in case of certain events. Um, so that if CBBC needed to do something from there or needed to relocate for whatever reason and go to there, yeah. they could do it. We're like, wait, right, few questions. That's One, fascinating. If a nuclear fallout happened, why the hell would we all be teaming up to do live TV? Two, well, you've got to keep the populace uh, well, sub- subje- subjected. Yeah. <laughs> Subjugated. <laughs> Two, why on earth... Would we risk our lives going down to a location in London if something emergency, a big emergency size had happened that would probably require us to stay, whether we were contracted or not, with our fucking loved ones in a, in a different part of the country because we wouldn't want to leave them. And point number three, that old hacker will be rat-ass by now. So even if it appeared on air, it would look like he'd been caught in a nuclear explosion. Well, it's appropriate. No, it's a puppet. Hey! hey. And that brings us back to Child's play. And his mind. So, um, no sign of Chucky talking in this footage we've seen so far. No. The AI thing was being played up, but Mark Hamill being the voice suggests to me that this Chucky's going to have a personality and obviously an older thing. He's, it's not, not like you've hired someone to play a doll voice. Ah, ah, no, what if, what if, right? Yeah. Get this. Oh. Mark Hamill. Yeah. Is playing Mark Hamill, who's been hired to provide the bass voice for the buddies. I'm not even kidding. That would be next level genius. Yeah, see? Because it would this then completely separate movies. it from the OG and it would be in its own weird little thing. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be revealed that Charles Lee Ray or a version of that character is very much in this film. Hamill's playing him. There's a voodoo, if not like a, a mind mapping thing going on. Oh, like uh, that Johnny Depp movie that everyone hated. Which one was that one? Where he's like uploads himself into the computer. Transcendence. Yes. Yeah. How can I remember the name of that? But I can't remember the name of like my fifth cousin. You only got room for four. Because I don't have a fifth cousin. More on that later. So, I... <sighs> what, more on your fifth cousin that you don't have? <laughs> or do I? <laughs> I, I? I loves me some child's play. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Really? I'm not, I'm not like usually excited about the remake, but I'm really curious. However, if you are going to have a new Chucky... And you are going to obviously cast a new voice actor to perform him because getting Brad Dorif wouldn't make sense. It'd be like getting James Earl Jones to play Mufasa in a remake of The Lion King. Oh, wait, they're doing that. Oh, That's oh, weird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So strange. That Dumbo movie's out. Yep. Yeah. It's apparently a lot of shit. Yeah. So. We're not going to see it. There we go. Um, there we go. That's your Dumbo review for the Big Damn cast. <laughs> apparently the mouse, I can't remember his name, is it Timothy? The mouse is in it. Briefly, you see him in a cage. Timothy Chalamet with like a little hat on or whatever. You see him in a cage. There's the cameo of the character from the film. His best mate from the original that takes care of him is in a cage in this one. That sounds unfortunate. Pink Elephants on Parade isn't an alcohol sequence. It's just like a light and balloon and and double show as part of the big circus. Weak ass, Burton. I hate it. Weak ass. I hate it. And and Keaton's Keaton's performance has like completely polarized people. Some are saying, oh yeah, he's really slimy and sinister and he's great. And others are saying, I can see what he's trying to go for and it just doesn't work in this mm. format. It's like, oh. A rare miss for Keaton. Also, for Eva, modern day Keaton. Eva Green is Tim Burton's new Helena Brancata, right? Yeah. 
And if that means more Eva Green in more movies, cool. I like Eva Green a lot. And it was Lisa Marie before it was Hannah Bonkart, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was she, was Winona she like... for a bit. Winona. Yeah. I think... Michelle Pfeiffer has been his on and off as well. She's popped in and out of his yeah. works. He's definitely got a uh, thing for... He's got he's got a type for muses. Yeah. Like, slightly slightly films. crazy ladies. <laughs> slightly odd women. Femme fatales who are also not balls. In terms of the, that being like their sort of oh, roles, the roles that they so. fit perfectly. Oh god, <laughs> bunny boilers without the boiling of the bunny. Okay, um, um, but I, you know, I just Hamill's a good choice. He is a good choice, regardless of what the context is. Really, I am worried. However, I am worried that Chucky's going to sound just adjacent of the Joker. Mm. That would That's upset. probably why they've cast him. But that would upset me, because that's the wrong way well, He probably to go won't want to do that, but they'll probably push him into that with notes. Because as we know, he he can do a movie that he's not exactly happy with. <laughs> like, he, he's kind of made it clear since Last Jedi that the points he made pre-Last Jedi about him not agreeing with the story direction personally were indeed like... He, true like that's how he still feels now but a man's a fucking but, professional yeah he's a professional he respected ryan johnson's vision and he told that story and he obviously did a bit of a press 180 and being like you know it's great i love it it's fantastic and then afterwards he's like yeah i made it clear before what i thought of the direction of luke's character i wasn't happy with it myself but i think ryan told a great story and i was happy to be a part of it is how he's basically talking about it now it's like that's a professional well done professional balanced but it'll be interesting to see if, Not if after Charles Play comes out, and that indeed might be the case with the voice, if he's like, yeah, they kind of told me I needed to do it that way, and that's what they've gone with. So, so, but he's also a big genre fan. He is a big genre and a big fan. nerd. So I don't know. We'll see. I just think I think it's if they were like if if the original series wasn't continuing and Brad Dorif was no longer with us, and you were like, we need a new Chucky. We're gonna have Mark Hamill. I'd go. That is it. Great inspired choice. Maybe the original series isn't continuing though. It is. I know. No, I know it, it is. is. Son, I know it is. <laughs> at the moment, I'm just saying. What if it doesn't? The, you know, there is a there is something that could kill it, and that is if this remake is one of the two extremes. If this remake of Child's Play is utter garbage, that could kick the Universal produced Chucky TV series out of the way. Yeah. Because Universal might go, oh, this brand's damaged goods now. Like, Poison chalice. Yeah. If it is super well received and instantly gets a sequel greenlit, mm. Universal might go, mm, right, we don't want to get mixed up in that. Like, this is going to be a rights disaster if they're now going to continue this going forward. Leave them to it. Sorry, Don, we're calling it a day. On the other hand. But on the other hand, they could react the opposite. For both responses. Yeah. If it does well, right, we're cashing in. Let's push our version out there and market it like crazy. Or if it does terrible, we market ours from the POV of you don't fuck with the OG Chuck. Yeah, yeah. And you, you make a thing of, oh, yeah, that. Fuck that. Here's, I mean, we kill off a bunch the real of boy. good guy pretenders. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. It, yeah, it can On, go either way. Also, if it if it just hits fair middling and it's just sort of fine, then you eventually just go, 
Marvel have got some movies coming out. No, they don't. Little movie called no, Endgame coming out in a couple no, weeks. No, they don't. Some are called Endgame and some are called Spider-Man Far From Home and then they're not making anything ever again. So they've been rumblings recently. <laughs> God, could you imagine? That Angelina Jolie is in talks to star in The Eternals. Yes! One of the more obscure <laughs> Marvel properties that's been uh, pushed for. It's even more obscure than The Inhumans. Yeah. And I would argue has even fewer fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I don't know. After the Inhumans yeah. TV series. But Kevin Feige seems to be behind it. And he's talked about it openly. Um, and yeah, apparently Angelina Jolie's not being confirmed whether she's doing it or not. But she, apparently she's in talks to do it. No one knows any of what's going on with this film. Um, not even the people in it. We they know we know that um, they've they're after. I don't know if she's signed on yet, but uh, Chinese director Chloe Zhao is going to be directed. Uh, what's she done for? Uh, no, um, she's a Chinese director, so I'm assuming she's just done a lot of Chinese cinema. I don't recognise the name. Um, it would be. I know it sounds weird. It'd be a smart call considering China is like a third of the blockbuster market China is nowadays. The film market to bring now. in a to bring in a big Chinese director would be a great choice. It's, it's, um... And also, it would add it would add a different sensibility if she's not sort of directed too strictly to follow the MCU format. It would lend yeah. a different sensibility to the film, which would give it its own unique identity, which would be nice. Chloe Zhao has directed. Um. Not a lot. A uh, few shorts. Uh, songs My Brother Taught Me. Which, oh, no, so these are American films, so she's not a... Oh, She's right. not a China... She's, not, China she's not from director. the Chinese film market. It uh, doesn't seem to be so. Um, okay. Songs My Brother Taught Me is about a single mother living on a Native American reservation. And The Rider is a Chris Pratt movie. Is it? No, it isn't. He just looks like Chris Pratt. It's actually... <laughs> like the guy from Upgrade who looks like Tom Hardy. Yeah, it's, it's Brady... <laughs> In a film that's basically Venom. It's Brady Jandro, but he looks like Chris, ha- Chris Pratt at a glance. Wow! That... Whoa! <laughs> yeah! And it's, that that's, is weird. Um, that's a western about a cowboy has a head injury and undertakes a search for new identity and what it means to be a man in the heartland of America. That was 2017. So basically, so, she's cut her teeth. She's not got a huge feel of experience, but again, that means a unique voice being brought in. They're not, yeah. giving, they're not giving it to a um, which is what something to, to, to well, an old that's, hat. That's what they do. They they find filmmakers who are coming off like the back of indie like character drama successes and go, "Hey, you want to direct this multi million dollar movie?" And I think they've, they've like it's come out that directors who are like, "Oh well, you know, I'm not in. I'm not sort of." Fay with you know the action stuff and the special effects stuff and Marvel just like no don't worry we'll sort that out mm, which is a blessing and a curse yeah but depends on if, if the director takes that on as a okay but what, let was... me work with you on it so I can learn I think it was Ava DuVernay who said that who said that that was why she turned down Black Panther yeah uh, Black Widow oh Black it? Widow Did, oh, what? Mm. she turned down she might turn down a couple of them actually at this point because mm. they've been wanting to oh no it's Thor 2 no, she, she wasn't up for Thor 2. Oh, no. It was, it was up for Thor 2. Um, it was, it was um, Wonder Woman director. Uh, Pye Jenkins. Pye Jenkins. It. Yes, because she, 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 she was on Thor 2. And I think her being, her leaving is what soured Natalie Portman on the whole thing, I think. Uh, I believe. 
Um, but yeah, the Eternals. So, who the fuck are the Eternals, Chris? Uh, I'm going to turn it over to my correspondent, Matthew. Uh, Matthew, who the man. fuck are the Eternals? So apparently, I, I don't fucking Neil know. Neil Gaiman did a run, I know that I, much. Neil Gaiman and, and John Romita Jr. did a seven-issue miniseries in 2003. Yeah. Which is probably <laughs> their most prominent um, run, if you the, can call it that, because it's seven issues. They're kind of, as far as I know, they're a kind of weird hybrid of like the Inhumans... And the Greek Titans and this kind of thing. If they're an ancient thing, they all have this very overwhelming power set. But some are better at some skills than the others are. So One of them's called Cersei. Yes. Who Angelina Jolie may or may not be playing. So at the dawn of mankind. Yeah. <laughs> the Celestials. You know the Celestials. Yeah. I, like Ego yeah. was a Celestial. And we saw the big <laughs> sort of full-on Jack Kirby style Celestial in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Um, the, the, nowhere is the head of a dead celestial. Yes. Yeah. Neza... He, he goes a celestial. Yes. Yeah. Nezar the Calculator. Piss off. Nezar the Calculator visited Earth and granted a certain number of prehistoric humanoids the ability to tap into cosmic power akin to the, affini- akin to the Infinity Stones. Using that power, the Eternals... We're able to augment their own life force, making them invulnerable and essentially immortal. And they can manipulate matter at the molecular level to do almost anything. Almost anything? Yes. Ah, well, I'm not sold. Apparently, um, multiple screen... Cancel the project. Multiple screenwriters have been asked to take it on, um, and they are using Cersei as a focus. They want to focus it on Cersei. That'll be Angelina. Um, um, I've heard rumour that Hercules is in this. An openly gay Hercules, which is cool. Which is, t- and again, like, fucking totally fine if we're going into the Greek mythology thing and that everyone was bunking everybody. Yeah. So if anyone's got a problem with it, like, oh, so realistic. A, Hercules was never real, and B, the time he's based on motherfuckers. Everybody would get with everybody. Apparently the working, the current screenplay has been written by Matthew K. Furpo and Ryan Furpo. Oh, um, who, the brothers Furpo. What else have they written? Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're brothers, but it just sounds fun. Not a lot. They've not written a lot. Not a lot of features anyway. Shorts here and there. Um, what's he done? Many uh, things. All of them sins. Yeah, they've, written, they've both written a lot of shorts, but no produced screenplays. Um. So yeah, Matthew Furpo's directed a bunch of shorts and one feature. Matthew Furpo, again, unique voices. Oh, actually, the feature is not even a. <laughs> it's not even a feature. It's a it's a documentary short. Um. Very unique voices. Yeah. So I don't know what this is gonna. Be. Um, this now joins um, Black Panther 2, um, a Black Widow movie, and Captain Marvel 2, and Spider-Man 3, and Guardians 3, in the these are definitely getting made category. Yeah. Where we also have Doctor Strange 2, and... Which I think will happen. And future Avengers films, and a possible Thor uh, for cool in that these are possibly going to happen territory <laughs> based on conversations well, and, and interviews and stuff. People have been, the school book since Zhao was announced as director has been that it's going to be a love story between Akaris, a man fueled by cosmic energy 
and Cersei, who relishes moving amongst humans. And in okay. comics, Cersei is the most, like, she, out of the Eternals, she, like, lives amongst humans. She, yeah. she was on the Avengers for ages, in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and if she played by Angelina, jo- Angelina Jolie as well, that's an older female lead yeah, yeah. actor for this movie. I, I say that, like, you know, she's an old lady. No, but Angelina Jolie's, like, nearing 50 now, right? Hmm. Yes. So that would be a very, like, kind of wonderful step for them to take, to be like, oh, this big superhero franchise that's aimed primarily at families and kids, our lead is going to be, like, a 50-year-old female character. That's showing, A, a lot of faith, and B, Hmm. a head on their shoulders for actually wanting to try new things and, and, you know, change the playing field a bit. Because, I mean, come on, Downey Jr., as your front runner for Iron Man, opening the cinematic universe against every possible wish from um, Paramount. Yeah. But John Favreau going, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. And the way that they managed to convince Paramount is Downey Jr. took a, a, a massive amount off of his fee to do it. Because they were going to offer the fee of, you know, 800000 or whatever to ever played Tony Stark. And Favreau wanted Daddy Jr. And Feige wanted Daddy Jr. And Paramount did not want Daddy Jr. And Feige and Favreau and Daddy Jr. all talked. And Daddy Jr. took the role for like 200000 Yeah. And that reduction was enough to make Paramount go, all right, fine, fair enough, because that's 600000 back into the film, so whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. And obviously Daddy Jr. worked out that, but I get a bit of the back end, and for the sequel I get a minimum of blur. And then also and it freaking worked in his favour. And they spent that 600000 on Terrence Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Who wanted way more for the sequel. Oh, yeah. And they went, yeah, no, that's unreasonable. So he, <laughs> so he walked. So we'll get Don Cheadle instead. Who I think is generally a better actor. Yeah, I mean, Terrence Howard's pretty great. But he's no Don Cheadle. He's no Don Cheadle. But who is? Don Cheadle. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. The, <laughs> the Eternals. Who the fuck knows what this even is or is going to be? I think this is one of those where they, it's going to be like... Um, That's the full title. Yeah. Eternals, who the fuck knows what this is or what it's going to be? It's like Guardians. There's, yeah. There's there's no... There's so little preconceived idea of what it is in the mind of the general public mm. that you kind of got free reign to do whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. You Thing can redefine being, it. You could completely recontextualize the comic book version now, if you've got a take that will work better for film. De- definitely, the uh, the Guardians movies take cues from the Abnett and Lanning run, hmm. but only in like the broadest strokes possible. Like the sense of humor is very different. Yeah, the uh, the team design is very very different. But the lineup is is inspired by that. But I'm missing some folks, obviously. Some folks um, like oh. Warlock. You're not going to get Warlock. You're not going to get Jack Flag. <laughs> That's a shame. Cosmo. Well, he made a cameo. He made a cameo. Um, who else was on it? Uh, really going to let him look you like that? Bug? It's gross. Oh, it's not called Bug, is he? It's called Summit. It's not yeah. Ambush Bug. That's DC. That's DC. I love Ambush Bug. <laughs> who doesn't? Ambush Bug is in the final episode of Brave and the Bold. Of course he is. Voiced by Henry Winkler. Oh, Fantastic. Because the, fa- the final episode of Brave and the Bold is Batmite's decided he's bored with it and he wants to get it cancelled so it'll be rebooted as a CGI gritty action series. 
So Ambushbug decides to warn Batman and try and change the course of events before uh, Batmite makes changes sure. to the format that get it cancelled. Sure. All right. It's great, including recasting Aquaman so that the voice is different and it annoys people slightly. Sure. It's really... The last episode of Brave and the Bold is amazing. Sure, 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 sure. And it ends with the set being taken apart as they all have a rap drinks in the Batcave set. Sure. So good. Sure, sure, sure. So good. Sure. Joe else is good, Matt. Uh, tell me what else is good. The Twilight Zone. What? A brand new series started this past week on CBS All Access and we have got the first-hand review of two guys who haven't been able to see it because the UK has not been given a distribution plan or indeed a release it's date It's CBS yet. All Access, isn't it? It is. So now, it makes sense for it to be on Netflix along with Star Trek Discovery. Exactly. Star Trek Discovery, when the season goes out on CBS All Access week by week, the same happens on Netflix in the UK and throughout most of Europe. No news for the Twilight Zone just yet. Maybe we're not getting it because we're bad people. Maybe. Because we can't, may- we can't work out Brexit. Maybe that's... Maybe, oh, God. Oh, my God. Brexit is just one giant, elaborate Twilight Zone episode, isn't it? Oh, I wish. I think we all wish everything was Twilight Zone. That's I do. Nice. I do. Uh, what know you of the Twilight Zone, Matthew? I know... What's Sano? The theme tune. I know, <laughs> I know the movie. The movie's damn good. Uh, I know that, but even if died. John Landis killed people, yeah, John Landis killed people on that movie, um, um, but it still works. Um, <laughs> he could probably have taken his director's license away. Oh, you don't have director's license. I know that's not a thing, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I know. Sorry, terror, sorry, sorry. Terror. No, we, we, we should, for legal reasons, we should clarify that John Landis's negligence killed people. Um. um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's a murderer. No, but his his and several others in charge's actions and inactions led to the death of two children and a stuntman. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, I know. But Blues Brothers, you know? Yeah, Blue Mile, yeah. Uh, he's a damn good filmmaker, mm. but Michael Jackson was a damn good musician. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you can't deny Michael Jackson was an amazing you dancer. You cannot. You cannot. He was an incredible performer. He was also a monster. Um, <laughs> I know Terror at however many thousand feet. Te- uh, really? Nightmare at twenty thousand feet. Was oh, it Nightmare? Nightmare, nightmare at twenty thousand feet. Yeah. Um, and, and it's and it's um, remaking the movie. Something on the wing. Um, <laughs> and and it, it's spiritual sequel slash homage in the upcoming series. Yes, with Adam Scott. Yeah, and um, it's uh, it's beautiful remake in Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Hey. Nightmare I know, five and a half feet. I know the, the <laughs> I know the uh, the series' tendency for um twist endings that have a moral. I know I don't I don't I know the plot of some episodes, but I don't know the names of them, so I know that um there is a, an episode where there's a woman who wants to get plastic surgery and it's like everyone but everyone's pig people. Um there's more to it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's no, I know which one you're referring to. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, I know that there's a there's, there's <laughs> the, the infamous episode where the dude breaks his glasses in the library after the nuclear apocalypse, and he's just like, "There was time now," because he wanted to read all these books and hate people. Um, it's things like that. Uh, so do, I, do you know who the actor was? For that? No, Burgess Meredith. Oh, okay, who pops up several times over the well, course yeah, of the five it's, it's seasons? That, it was what late fifties, early sixties, wasn't it? Yeah, very, very tail end fifties. Uh, five seasons, uh, each with about thirty plus episodes. Yeah, 
the least amount of season four had 18 episodes. I know this is sacrilege to you, but I'm more familiar with The Outer Limits because... No, that's, that's not sacrilege. It's not, anthology not, TV. Not because I prefer it, beloved. but because it was... It got a prime time... The remake, the 90s remake, the revival, mm-hmm. got a prime time slot on BBC. And also it was a little bit more sci-fi leaning, The Outer Limits, Yeah. It? And you were, you, were, you were a child of X-Files, so like... Yes. That, well, was, that what, was your jam. That's what so. the 90s relaunch was off the back of off the back of yeah. yeah see i was always i was always a kid watching um if i did get around to those late night anthology things it was like tales from the crypt uh and, yeah uh, so you didn't have access to any of that stuff and, and kids kids shows goosebumps and are you afraid of the dark so i was oh yeah i love those yeah so that that kind of twilight zone naturally led to me twilight zone is something i i adore like i really love it um and when it finally hit uk dvd and blu-ray about six years ago I was like, right, now is the chance for me to fill in the 95% gap I don't of what think, I haven't seen of that original run. I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of The Twilight Zone. Well, after this podcast, we might just have to watch one before you head home. I can't. I've got to get home and make dinner. We might have to look at the front cover of a blue yes. before you head home. Yes. <laughs> That's probably more like it. But it is amazing. Um, I, I adore it. I, It's one of those things like Scarface or Psycho or Citizen Kane where... Before you actually get round to watching it, you feel you've already watched it. Yeah, it's cultural osmosis. Yeah, it's just there. It's it's in it's in your thing. And, and I get, of course, we're both um, kids of the nineties. Yeah, The Simpsons was probably our introduction to the Twilight Zone before we even knew it. The Simpsons homages oh, yeah, and references the Twilight Zone so much throughout yeah. the nineties. Most of what I know about the Twilight Zone, I know from its appearances and references in other media. Mm. Oh God! Um, the, the, Simpsons, the Simpsons is absolutely chock full of it. Yeah, but it is elsewhere. Um, for those who don't know and are curious about the new show, and and are like, wait, what, what's the point of it? I don't. Ah, the Twilight Zone is an anthology uh, series of fantasy, horror, sci-fi, and fairy tale stories that are presented by. Rod Sterling, creator of the Twilight Zone, will be back after a break with these messages or something. These messages from our sponsor. After these messages. Cancer cigarettes. <laughs> In the later seasons, the ads bleed into the end narration. Yeah. The, the, the teaser for the next episode, which is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling? It's Rod Sterling. It's Rod S- Sterling. I was having a moment. S-E-R-L-E-I-I. Rod Sterling, creator of the Twilight Zone. G- and not Sterling. Well, James Sterling. All Rod. Old Rod, Old Roddy Serling, Old Roddy boy, Rowdy Roddy Serling, uh, was a, a. I mean, the guy was a prolific creator. Like he worked on the like the Planet of the Apes TV series. He oh, created yeah, uh, the the Night Gallery is one of his. Yeah, well, Night Gallery was a similar thing, wasn't it? Again, that the Simpsons kind of parody, like one of the Halloween Trios of Horror episodes, is Bart walking up and down a room of portraits. It was and also one of the story, which is a direct homage to the Night Gallery. It was also one of the uh, big inspirations <laughs> for. The Twilight Zone. Uh, for X-Files. Ah! Boom, there you go. Uh, X-Files. That, uh, Night Gallery, Night Stalker, Contact the Night Stalker, um, things like that were very much inspirations for that. Because Night Gallery was 69 to 73. Yeah, it was it was a later one, but it, it's that, that it sort of cemented his style. He'd been doing radio, theatre and television for donkey's years. Mm. And his entire thing was... Um, a focus on really solid storytelling with shifting genres that would kind of take you on a journey. He wanted to show he wanted to always showcase really strong acting and a really interesting premise 
and tell it in the most condensed way possible so that by the end of that half hour you're like oh, i could totally watch a series of that but it's like we don't need a series so what we need to say next week we're doing this next week we're doing that um mm. anthology television kind of really kicked off in the 50s especially stateside because of the twilight zone that sort of like brought it in the, the tv's tv tv channels uh, boys and girls always used to have like kind of you know those uh, play a week like a play on the play on sunday where it'd be like on sunday nights on a channel there'd be a teleplay mm-hmm. but the twilight zone was a yeah we're gonna be a whole series of that shit motherfuckers and we're gonna keep showing it <laughs> um and it's it's iconic and notorious for a reason because it scared people it inspired people it was sometimes frightening it was sometimes campy on purpose sometimes it was campy because it's aged a little bit sometimes yeah. it's even more frightening because the thing it was playing with has come true it that's a real fucker isn't it it's full of social commentary it's it's wonderful if you ever get the chance to watch some of it please do now the box sets are all about to go up a little bit in price because of the new version but do seek it out where you can uh there have been three iterations uh visually since yeah 59 to 64 series it was an 80s series an 80s run early 2000s 2000 and two, 2000 series, series yeah. which was two seasons and then there's the film twilight zone the movie the movie from the 80s which is made by uh, some iconic filmmakers uh some of whom haven't led to the deaths of children in yeah. a helicopter accident yeah, yeah. um but it's a wonderful film they've made sort of from the pov of these directors who grew up loving the show like Spielberg, Dante, like their contributors to it, who contributed to it, who just wanted to basically show their love of it by loosely remaking some of the stories with a new wraparound sort of visual style to tell the tale. Yes. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And if you want more of it, there's the radio plays that uh, Rod Serling, creator of The Twilight Zone, um, also worked on. Um, that are on the DVD and Blu-ray box sets. The, the Blu-rays are incredible. I've got all five seasons on Blu-ray. Yeah. Every episode has about 18 bonus features. Jesus. Not necessarily related to the episode. Some but, of them are yeah. a radio play from 20 years prior that was the first appearance of the lead actor in that play. Mm. Some of them are things that Rod Serling worked on. Some of them things are a random episode of a TV series from earlier in the 50s that the same director directed. It's just, it's this wonderful little like, yeah. hey, have a little lesson. Like if you if you sat down and went, I'm gonna dedicate an hour to this episode. You watch the episode and then you've got a bunch of little oh see what that was. Oh no, what that oh that came from there. Oh that's cool. Oh this director worked on this. Oh that's funny, I've never seen that before. It's amazing. The the they're so worth the money. Um especially if you're a telebroth. There's other versions of it as well. Uh there's the comic book version that started up a few years ago. There's a few comic book versions, but a few years ago JMS, J. Michael Straczynski did a version. Oh. Uh, which is pretty good. I think it was for Boom. Um, studios that sounds right Boom. Boom Boom Dynamite and IW are where you find the most of the licensed stuff it's, it was pretty good I collected the first storyline and the first annual and I was like ooh I'll have to pick this up when it's in a collection <laughs> um, there's the ride at several Disneylands the Tower of Terror which is a freaking easter egg fest if you're a fan of the show <laughs> oh my god it's full of that shit yeah um, it's a frightening drop ride that's one of the most like disturbing things I've ever been on. I love it. Ooh. It freaks me out. I'm not. I'm not good with up and down jolts on rides. Um, like you know, going up and down on a roller coaster. Yeah, but if I'm on something that lurches, like you know those towers where you just people sat in a circle and it goes up and down. Yeah, they got one at Blackpool. I've been on one of them and I'm never going to go on one again. I, I, I they, like they, those. they just 
they're too much for my tummy. Oh. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is one of those rides. You're too much for your tummy. But I will stomach it because of the storytelling and the atmosphere of that ride. <laughs> it's so good and it's full of so many Easter eggs. But the latest iteration, CBS All Access, yes. is hosted by Jordan Peele. Yes. Um, of Key and Peele and Mad TV fame. Oh, and some fans uh, yeah. can't get out on us. us. But uh, yeah. Get us out! Uh, oh, and Keanu. Let's not forget Keanu. <laughs> Essentially the Key and Peele movie. Um, but, good yes. sir, without uh, looking at it on your phone, just in case you see the information as you scroll by. I'm just looking up to see. I'm just trying to find if there's a. Um... Any uh, as as we as... record info on distribution, yeah. Any? No. Damn it. Uh, Rod Serling hosted the Twilight Zone. Yes, he did in the fifties. Yes, he did. John Peel hosted it. Is hosting it in twenty nineteen. Yes. Who hosted the Twilight Zone? Who was the host of the Twilight Zone in the two thousands reboot? Forrest Whitaker. It was Forrest Whitaker. Who was the host of the Twilight Zone in the eighties reboot? That I don't know. There was not one. Ah, but there was narration. The opening titles has narration from Serling, but there was no host per se. Was Serling still alive at that point? Uh, he was, yes, and I believe he did some advisory stuff on the show, but okay. he, he wasn't like a performer. Was he in retirement, essentially. Yeah. Rod Serling famously opened and closed the original Twilight Zone, folks. Um, have you ever seen anybody parody it with narration at the beginning someone in a suit in the foreground like talking to camera like we've done like we've done yeah <laughs> for, the, for the Five Who Fans short film um, The Crimson Zone yeah um, well, once upon a time Dan, it was Dan Sheridan Dan yeah. Sheridan yeah. but, uh, but we shot Chuck's yeah, in it we, well. were it. we were in it we were in it but uh, um, Once Upon a Time Lash uh, search that up on YouTube it's our loving sort of parody slash homage to the Twilight Zone yeah specifically their infamous uh the living doll episodes. <laughs> the, 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 I like the, the fact there's multiple living doll episodes. There's, there's two with the ventriloquist dummies in them. Excellent. Both the same prop redressed. Oh. But very budgets. different stories. One with the porcelain doll, uh, yeah. which is uh, Talkie Tina. Oh. Starring, um, oh God, what's his name? I don't know. D- uh, Terry Savalas. Telly Savalas. Telly Kojak. Kojak, yeah. yeah. Uh, which inspired the Sabrina, the first Sabrina the Teenage Witch Halloween special, the one with the Molly Dolly. Oh. Sabrina had some scary Halloween episodes. <laughs> like, they were actually kind of freaky for a sitcom with a laugh track. The uh, the Netflix Sabrina is, is definitely uh, takes the horror up a notch, but it's also, there's something about it that just puts me off. Okay. Probably the way they shoot the lead actress in sort of semi-nudity. Hey, everybody, ain't she hot? Huh? Isn't it a like spin-off from Riverdale as well? Like, she features I in an episode of Riverdale briefly. don't believe so. I'm sure she pops up in it I don't. Somewhere. I don't think it is. Hmm. The comics are... When do we get related. in the Riverdale adaptation of Archie vs. Predator? That's what I want to know. But, you may have noticed I quizzed you a little bit on the Twilight Zone. Though. Yeah, quizzed me a little on the Twilight Zone. And right. we, may, we may not be able to uh, see the new series as it were, so it's no. kind of like, like crossing through a door into the fifth dimension. It is sort of an unknown thing. Matt, as such, to celebrate the complete lack of information okay. of the new Twilight Zone that we can disperse to our listeners, I want to welcome you. You unlock this door with the key to imagination, Matt. Okay. To a quiz I like to call The Twilight Unknown. Oh, okay. What's I'm, this? I'm going to read you the synopsis yeah. of 10 Twilight Zone episodes. Okay. You've got to tell me if it's a real episode oh, of The Twilight okay. Zone yeah, all right. okay. or a made up episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay. For each one, you are allowed one um, clue. Okay. 
Because you can ask me one question about right. it or, or ask for a clue about All it. All right, I'm looking forward to this. So, let's give it a try, shall okay. we? Number one. Okay. This is the synopsis. I'm yeah. going to read it to you. I want you to tell me if you think this is a real episode of The Twilight Zone or a made-up episode of The Twilight Zone um, and for why. Okay. And if you want a clue, just let me know. Okay. A, a power failure causes the residents of a suburban neighbourhood to suspect one another of being monsters from outer space planning an invasion. It's a power failure causes the residents of a suburban neighbourhood to suspect one another of being monsters from outer space planning an invasion. That sounds like some Cold War era paranoia fuel. I'm going to say that's a real episode. That's some pretty, that's some pretty nice observation right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, you would be correct. That yeah. is the season one story. <laughs> the monsters are due on Maple Street, which is freaking great. It's yeah. it's so good. It, it's again, it's just power outage. People start to think. But uh, a young lad in the neighborhood sort of mentions that he saw lights in the sky, and it starts to build up this thing of some of the parents like, maybe, oh maybe, yeah, okay, me. yeah. And the paranoia just builds and builds, and they don't like straight up discuss the Cold War, but there is. Some nods to like, I, mean, if I think one, someone at one point is accused so of being a commie, yeah, yeah. so there's a bit of that in there. Um, but the the wonderful, t- spoiler alert for a 70-year-old episode of television, Jesus the wonderful 70. reveal um, of this is at the very end as they start to descend into essentially mob violence and yeah. the neighborhood begins to tear itself apart. It pulls out to the uh, observation deck of an invisible spacecraft. And they're being observed. On the hills oh, okay, outside. Okay. And they're being observed by these humanoid aliens that are like, right, we've set the cat amongst the pigeons. We'll observe how easily they can be torn apart from within. Uh, and we'll plan our invasion. Nice. Like their five-year plan begins there. Nice. And and, and it, then it implies, it pulls out and implies that it's happening to several small towns in North America. Nice. It's like, ooh. So again, it's just a commentary on paranoia. And, and I need to watch me some Twilight. It's man. so good. So that's one point. Ding, ding, ding. Get, your, get your finger up because I'll totally forget. Okay. One point. One point. Summary. Number two. All Is right. this a real episode of The Twilight Zone? Or yes. Twilight Unknown? <laughs> In the year 2046, a convicted man serving his sentence on an uninhabited asteroid is given a female robot for companionship. In the year 2046, a convicted man serving his sentence on an uninhabited asteroid is given a female robot for companionship. That's definitely an episode of something. I don't know if it's a Twilight Zone, so I'm going to say yes. Or makes you think it's a real bit of telly? Because I've heard about that. I'm sure I've heard that plot before. Are you sure you're not just thinking of Passengers, which stars Chris Pratt as a man in space and uh, Jennifer Lawrence as lady who isn't that talented, so maybe considered robotic? But she's re- she's so relatable, Matt. Yeah, she's so relatable. She eats chips just like everyone else. Um, <laughs> no, I that rings a bell. It rings a bell. Keep in mind, Twilight Zone did delve into more science fictiony territory aside yeah. from sort of horror tales. Yeah, I, it rings a bell. It, it could be, it could be out of limits, but I think it's Twilight Zone. But it does definitely rings a bell. You're going for Twilight Zone. I'm going to go for Twilight Zone. You would be correct. It is the season one story, The Lonely, the Lonely. starring Jack Warden and Gene Marsh. Oh, Gene Marsh of Sarah Kingdom fame. Yeah. And it is, uh, it is, it's an uncomfortable I one. I could imagine it is uncomfortable. Not, not for what 
Not in the way that a modern retelling of that story could be, because no, you no, know no, exactly no. how a modern retelling would lean into it. Yeah, yeah. But it's uncomfortable in terms of just like it really does explore kind of the, the depths of human despair. Is it and is... what it means to sort of force so yourself into feeling something when you really like you have nothing but yourself for your own company. So it's not quite as uncomfortable as um, William Shatner teaching aliens and robots how to love in Star Trek. <laughs> Hey, in the 60s, that was considered sexy. That girdle was hot. That girdle was hot. Are you ready for your third episode? Yes. Keep in mind, it's ten of these, and there's not many falsities. So, gotta be, gotta be on, gotta have your wits about you for this shit. I got my wits about me. My wits wits are about me. Is this an episode of The Twilight Zone, or some Twilight Unknown? A reclusive bookworm discovers the key to everlasting happiness inside his own pocket. Some fairy tale shit going on right there. That's some fairy tale shit. A reclusive um, bookworm discovers the key to everlasting happiness inside his own pocket. Is the key to everlasting happiness the key to a library after a nuclear holocaust? <laughs> no. Does he wear glasses? <laughs> no. um, it, is, it is not um, uh, all the time in the world. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say that's a little vague. So like this, these are all based on official summaries. So they're, 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 if they're vague, they're they're quite possibly vague because that's what, for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's not very much to go on, so I'm going to go. I'm going to take a shot. In the dark. Like Cluso. <laughs> like Cluso. And I'm going to say that is a Twilight Zone. Do you want me to tell you what the key to happiness was? What? It's a hole in his pocket. And he starts playing with his junk. That it's was a made a up Twilight one. Unknown. It was Twilight Unknown, I'm afraid. No! Twilight Unknown. The key to happiness was his own penis. Oh, no. He's a reclusive bookworm. Oh, no. He's not, he's not after dates. He's staying <laughs> in, jerking off. Oh, no. <laughs> that's two, two, two so far. Too correct. That's two out horrendous. of ten. That's horrendous. It's pretty bad. Whoever wrote them is disgusting. Okay. So. <laughs> Here we go. Is this a real Twilight Zone or a Twilight Unknown? All right. Remember, you get a clue. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you ever want clues, you just don't need to ask me. Okay. A DNA pod experiment to find the most evil creature alive reveals it to have been man all along. That's a Twilight Zone. What makes you think it's a Twilight Zone? Because it sounds like a Twilight Zone. I mean, to be fair, that the the twist is in that summary. Yeah. It is not a Twilight Zone. Is it an Outer Limits? However, it is a Twilight Zone-esque thing because it's a parody. It's Uh, an episode of Futurama's The uh, Scary Door, which is a Twilight Zone parody. Okay. All right. In that, though, it's told really bluntly. It's like it's the most DNA, the most evil creature known to mankind. And a dude steps out and goes, Hello. Uh, it was man. It was man. All along. Okay. All right. So, See, that's what I mean. It's cultural osmosis. It's cultural osmosis. I know yeah. more about Twilight Zone from its parodies it's, than I do it, about Twilight Zone. But it's beautiful, right? It's, it's beautiful. They, they, they run that closely. It's kind of scary. It's so beautifully simple. 
Okay, that was number four. Number five. When a little girl disappears from her bedroom without a trace, her parents call their friend to help investigate her disappearance. That's not an episode of Twilight Zone. That's the disappearance of Madeline McCann. <laughs> <laughs> that is on Netflix. That was so quick. <laughs> oh, it's not an episode of the Twilight Zone. It's the Madeline McCann documentary. Yeah, what's the kids' clue? See what kind of clues you've got for me. <laughs> <laughs> but broken, you. I'm sorry. The girl, the girl goes missing when she's left alone for a short period of time. Yeah, it's still Madeline McCann. No. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this is Twilight Zone. It is a Twilight Zone. Yeah, tell me tell me about this episode of Twilight Zone. It is indeed a Twilight Zone. It's the season three story, Little Girl Lost. Well, of course it is. Which is uh, most famous for, again, inspiring. inspiring. <laughs> Jokes aside, and written Maddie McCann oh, underneath Oh, no! Because <laughs> I was going to lead it towards that. No! But it's true. <laughs> Um, in terms of our young listeners, uh, the Simpsons Halloween uh, special, The Trials of Horror, where Homer goes into a 3D dimension outside of our uh, own, okay. is based on the Twilight Zone Little Girl Lost. Uh. Um, uh, the friend in question, played by uh, Charles Aidman, is a physicist. Uh, and he, he they can hear her voice in the walls. Uh, this also inspired the basic premise for Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Um which Spielberg noted uh, during that film's production. Uh, this one is wonderful because it's just, it's eerie as sin. Uh, it's already already the parental fear, unless you're a McCann, of your child, you know, going missing out of your eye line for just a moment. Um, you all, you've all seen the documentaries. Uh, so, but they begin to hear a voice through the walls. So the physicist friend like helps them out and it's, it's, it's this wonderfully tight little just sort of thriller that's really distressing because this little this young girl who's an adorable actor she's brilliant in it yeah just goes but they can hear her and she's calling for help so that they hear in certain walls they're like drawing chalk outlines on the walls of a door because it's essentially the story explains to the then american audience the idea of existing within a different physical space yeah but still kind of being here so it's a bit, it's a bit transcendental, you know, kind of Tardisy sort of logic going on with this one. Yeah, yeah. The dog goes missing as well. We get pulled out just in time before by the father who you know, rope round the waist like Bart in the Trials of Horror goes in. They find it at a weak point, and they, he goes in to get the door. And there's some trippy shit. Um, <clears throat> sort okay. of mirrors the title sequence of the Twilight Zone. The le- the latter title sequence, it's got like the eye and the yeah, equations yeah. and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's spooky. If you happen to go to Disneyland Paris anytime soon and you go in the Disneyland Paris um, Hollywood Studios Park version of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh, the gantry before you get in the lifts there, it's a double lay- a double level. There's a ground floor and a first floor yeah. for that section uh, as opposed to the Florida Park. If you go to the top floor, angle around the back wall for a bit and look for a chalk outline. If you stay there long enough and listen to the wall... Then you'll find you Buzzy. Can hear, you can hear a... 
Buzzy's not in Paris. <laughs> he is now. You can you can hear a young girl's voice calling oh. for her dad. Oh, it's really good. Like seriously, those rides, man, full of Easter eggs. They're beautiful. In Paris, Anna. It's so good. I love it. Um, okay. All right. Your sixth. Twilight Zone or Twilight Unknown. Toby Jones or Noby Jones. I'm three for five at the moment, so not great. Doing pretty. No, they. All stalls are still all to play for. Twilight Zone or Twilight Unknown. <laughs> After being fixed by a strange TV repairman, an unhappy couple's TV set shows them hurting each other. Got real dark, kids. I think that's a Twilight Zone, but I think it's the latest. I think it's one of the revival seasons. I don't think it's original. You can get a clue if you want. Yeah, okay. Okay, the TV repairman is um, a tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff. I'm sorry, he's a what? He's a tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean All he that. wears is a little red jumper. That's all he wears. Isn't Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. Winnie the Pooh repairs their TV and then it shows them images of them hurting each other. No, that's not. It's not Winnie the Pooh. It is. It's not. It's Winnie the Pooh. It's not. It's Winnie the Pooh. This is not a Twilight Winnie the Pooh film, then. is a TV repairman. No, someone who plays Winnie the Pooh in something is a TV repairman. Um, it depends on how you look at things. I don't remember how method your technique is, but that's up to you, really. Winnie the Pooh repairs a TV and the TV shows a couple hurting each other. This is... What? It's a Twilight Zone. You're having me on. This is indeed a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, It's season five's What's in the Box. What is in the box? That is straight up the name of the episode. What's in the box? So prolific. What's in the box? It used the name of a cult... It used... It used a cultural exclaimed sentence phenomenon from a late 90s thriller. What's in the box? 40 years before. What's in the box? Um, yeah, the couple are played by William Demarest and Joan Blondell. And the TV repairman is played by television actor of the 50s and voiceover artist who got around a lot, Sterling Holloway. Yeah. Who was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it was the Winnie the Pooh voice. Um, <laughs> and it's so... If you've ever seen Sterling Holloway live action, have you ever seen him in any shows? I think I have, you know. It's so distracting because <laughs> that's just his voice. Oh. Like, Pooh's put on a bit. You know what I mean? And and the um, the, the freaking uh, the dove in Dumbo and the snake in Jungle Book mm. and the mouse in Aristocats, like, they're all kind of him affecting lisps or mannerisms. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh's just kind of his voice. <laughs> So it's really, really weird. Okay. Um, this one, this one gets again uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that's why I thought it might be more psychological and physical domestic violence is part of the story. Yeah. Because um, for 1963, that's that's quite a bit. I think. It's heavy. It's heavy shit. But uh, again, in that Twilight Zone way, and I won't, I won't, I won't say why it's happening, and I won't say how it's happening. But by the end, it's. Uh, you take some away. I don't. Want, I don't want to say too much about these stories. Don't say too much about. Them, I want you to check them out, folks. I'm going to try and hunt it down. Okay. Um, congratulations, you got past the Winnie the Pooh question. Oh, God. Number seven. Good sir. Yeah. 
Everyone has their very own pair of wings. Except Arthur, played by Burgess Meredith, who is doomed to scrabble around like a common grub. This is a Twilight Zone that's got Burgess Meredith in it. <laughs> is he the Twilight Zone? Some sound logic, to be fair. Is he the Twilight Zone or Batman 66? <laughs> and I don't think it's I mean, Batman penguins 66. can't fly. So. <laughs> okay, okay. It's Twilight Zone. You think it's Twilight Zone? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a clue if you want. Okay. Hilarity and morality. It's a Twilight Zone then. It's not a Twilight Zone. I made that one up. So now it limits. No, but you just made it up wholesale. I made it up wholesale, but the Burgess Meredith ruse worked. Ah, You bastard! But it sounds like it could be right. Yeah, like in a world that's why I said it was Twilight Zone. One man can't, and it's about how he deals with it. Like that's totally something they would do. That's a Twilight Zone. Um, She's just not been made yet. (laughs) True. All right, Jordan Peele, if you want to hit me up, but not with Burgess Meredith. But not with Burgess Meredith. Obviously. It'd be a very cold performance. Oh! Actually, technically, it'd be more grounded. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much! Hey, Matt. What? Is this a Twilight Zone or a Twilight Unknown? Probably. <laughs> Either one. A wax museum curator lovingly maintains wax figures of five infamous killers in his basement. This isn't a Twilight Zone. This is House of Wax. After the museum discards them. When he loses his job, his enemies are mysteriously murdered. That's a Twilight Zone. What makes you think it's a Twilight Zone? Because it's a fucking Twilight Zone. <laughs> are you wax, sure? Wax murderers in the basement of a thingamabob. Now, to be fair, museum. there were a few wax mannequin themed episodes of Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, the most famous one being the series two story, I think after hours, which is about a woman working in a department store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty freaking eerie the way yeah. it's done. Cause it's not like, Oh, they're mannequins. And the twist in that one is so good. Um, and really eerie. And it means if you ever spend time in a department store as it's closing, or if you're closing up a department store because you work in one, you will never feel the same again. You'll be really unnerved. I mean, at this point, if you're around any the way the economy is, if you're closing up a department store, you ain't opening it back up again. <laughs> so, or you've already sold off all the mannequins. But do, but do these mannequins contain mannequins of famous killers? That's the question. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to say no. That's not Twilight. No. Serial killers weren't really a thing until like the mid to late 70s. Well, well the wording is infamous killers. So you could be talking like Vlad the Impaler and Jack the Ripper. Vlad the Impaler. No, no, but like you know, people people are known as murderers. Because Vlad like... the Poker. <laughs> like to poke them with a stick. Blair. <laughs> um, Dracula never said Blair, but Vlad the Impaler fucking did. Blair. Blair! When uh, he was throwing up the blood of his victims uh, overindulged on for his dindins. I would like to say... Uh... It's a Twilight Zone. Season four's the new exhibit. It's a Twilight Zone. Dun-dun-dun-dun. I win. Dun-dun-dun-dun. It's really, I don't win. It is really creepy. Like, it is damn creepy. Sounds creepy. The way you describe it to me makes it sound creepy. And is semi-homaged in Psychoville series two. 
There's this uh... one with the David uh, speaks to the wax thingies of like um, Ed Gein <laughs> and stuff. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, it's really creepy. And they perform a musical number because, of course, they do. Because it's psychotic. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. <laughs> oh. What's the line? Uh, Sir Richard Attenborough played me in a movie about my life. Who did you get? Martin Clunes on ITV. <laughs> <laughs> Don't George High. That's great. Yeah, Bath Murderer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> number nine. Yes. In the home stretch, sir. Yes. Everything to play for. Nothing to lose. Good, I like those stakes. Everything to win. Nothing to gain. Yeah. Is this a Twilight Zone or a Twilight Unknown? Yes. An underwater civilization is discovered after pollution from the surface world leads to the death of their king. You're picturing it in your head already, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that wistful look, everybody. Yeah. He's got that wistful look. He's picturing that kind of story. It doesn't sound like a Twilight Zone. It sounds like a... Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on. One but, of the most famous I mean, episodes is called To Serve Man. And it's, it's yeah. again, Treehouse of Horror did a version of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's literally about aliens coming to Earth and offering peace and prosperity. And it becomes more clear over the course of it that it's quite possible they're after a much more carnal and uh, Ca- carnal? delicious... Not carnal. Well, it's not sexual. Yeah, they got off on it. Uh, it's Twilight. The same way you do when you take a bite of a really nice burger. <laughs> I want to say it's oh! Twilight Zone, but the thing that puts me off is budget. But you could do a lot back then. If you I can American give you a clue. No, it's Twilight Zone. It's Twilight Zone. It's a Twilight Unknown. Oh! Um, there is an episode in uh, series four that is sort of similar and uh, an unearthed civilization, but the clue, had you gone for the clue, was he died when a beer ringlet cut around his neck. Hey, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, I never said that they didn't have thin heads, but uh... um, yeah, so. But again, it's just a Twilight Zone that hasn't been made yet. Yeah. Maybe. Get on it, Jordan. Come on, Mr. Peel. Is a ring. Year of the peel. I'm very free. Okay. So free. Matthew. Yes. It's time for the final Twilight Zone. Yes. Or Twilight Unknown. Okay. <laughs> a woman discovers that the man she's fallen in love with is actually a sexy brooding immortal. The word sexy may have been added by me. <laughs> That's a Twilight unknown. That's, tw- in fact, Twilight. Does that count? You get it right and wrong. Oh! At the same time. Oh! In a Twilight Zone-esque twist. Oh! You have indeed just described the plot of the movie and book Twilight. Yes! <laughs> and it's also a Twilight Zone. But oh. the Twilight Zone season one episode, Long Live Walter Jameson, oh. features a history professor played by Kevin McCarthy, who is revealed to have lived for thousands of years. Thousands of years? Yeah, and it, it gets brought up. This is one of my favourite episodes of the Twilight Zone. Because um, you just like Kevin he's, McCarthy. He's very... He's a handsome man, but he's very sort of like, that's a good girl, like slapping her on the arse. He's like the history professor at this college and he's got engaged to one of his students who just left. 
Um, because of course in America in college you leave at 21, 22 or whatever. So. Yeah, that's still a bit skeezy, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not that he's like in his 40s. He's thousands of years old. Yeah. Um, he uh, He's just got engaged to her and his dad has, her dad has come to meet him and have like dinner because she's sold him all these wonderful things about him. And his, her dad's very traditional, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, good man, take after my, you know, look after my girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're going to treat her right and show her how to cook and clean, put her in a place and all that sort of stuff. You're like, oh God. And the guy, the guy's very kind of pipe smoky. He sort, of, he sort of looks like um, Gregory Peck in Mockingbird. Okay, you know what I mean. He's got that. What the dad or the, the thousand the, year old man? The the, the college professor. Okay, uh, fiance of his daughter, and then the guy's like, right, I wanted to meet you properly for a reason, and it's not to speak to you about the upcoming wedding, or to seek, or to give you my approval. This is a photograph. Of my father serving in the First World War. Oh. his regiment. That young man there is you, isn't it? You look no different from in that photograph. And he starts to follow it up and he starts to piece things together. Because he talks about how like his dad knew this guy who he'd known for most of his life who seemingly never aged a day. And he starts to put it together that there's something off, something about you that's wrong. And he's like, I just want to know what the hell are your intentions with my daughter? And the guy points out that it, it genuinely is romance. He just wants to be with her. Like, he, he is cursed to keep walking the earth, but he wants, you know, there's no, nothing sinister. He's not, he, I think they even sort of suggest, like, like do you need people to <laughs> stay alive? And he's sort of like, I'm not some kind of vampire. Like, I'm not, you know, it's, this whole thing's like, okay. And it gets this weird point where the father, I think he, I think he kills the dad or he, Knocks him out of something. But by the end of it, this elderly woman shows up on the doorstep, breaks into his office, holds the guy at gunpoint, and then shoots him dead. Because she was his wife 60 years prior, who's discovered that he's still alive. And as far as she's concerned, betrayed her. And she wants to end it before he hurts anyone else. So they play on this whole play on the immortality thing. Like he talks about how, like, you know, it, it's a lonely existence. And and but there's the whole thing of like, well, what do people really mean to you? What does romance mean to you? Yeah. Like, do do you genuinely regret like you know not being able to be with people, or is it just something to entertain you for a few decades? Yeah. It's it's a really good story, and again, I I, I may have sort of explained the ending. I've not explained the twist of it all. Okay. It's really good. Long live Walter Jameson. It's a really good story from season one. Um. Congratulations. Congratulations. You unlocked the door with the key to imagination. Is there a dimension of sight? A dimension of sound? A dimension of mind? And do you know what your prize is? Nothing. I get to go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give you this hat, but I suppose... No, it's been on your head. Oh, yeah. That's true. Do you has been on my mind um i don't know but you're gonna give us some sort of rod serling-esque outro detailing i have no doubt no but i am gonna smoke heavily while i wrap up the episode all right wrap it up wrap us up if you want to get in touch with those you can't do you little shits big damn contact at gmail.com next week we're going to be talking about shazam uh and pet cemetery the new remake uh so if you want to get in on that shit and tell us what you think of those movies get in big damn contact at gmail.com if you're a fan of the twilight zone 
Or you have a little look at it based on this episode and you give it a try have for the first time. Have a little look. There's several versions you can check out. Then we want to know what you thought all about it. Uh, and you can get in touch with us on Twitter, of course. Twitter. Big Damn Cast. Big Damn Cast. Follow the adventures in backlogging and the occasional mobile gaming over the next few weeks. It's going to be much more sporadic while yes. I'm away. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream. The Big Damn Stream. You can also touch us sensually oh. on YouTube. Don't. Big Damn Channel. And if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, hey, guess what? We're available on the other. Check us out there too. It's what? free and easier for you to put on your phones. But until then, Matthew Watson. Yes. A man plagued by a gentleman full of questions and no answers. Yes. Driven insane by the very notion that one day he'll be talking into the empty void that is the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Rod Serling, the creator of the Twilight Zone, will be back after these uncomfortable messages about sitcoms where they have a black servant in the family. Oh. That's on the Blu-ray. It's really weird. Oh. We'll see you later, everybody. Oh, no. American sitcoms from the 50s were really racist. I think all sitcoms from the 50s were really racist. How dare you. In, the Br- in Britain, it was the 70s. Oh. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Seriously, the way Leonard Rossiter's character talks to the guy in Rising Damp is horrendous. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Don't watch the thing with Alf Garnet in it. Bye. <laughs> Bye.